The You're Still Here podcast is brought to you by absolutely nobody. There's no one who actually brings you this show. Other than me, I have to shoot the thing, edit it. I always hated that word, edit it. I say it pretty well now. Edited it. <laughs> edited it. Edited it. Yes, so I take care of the editing, <laughs> and I obviously have to shoot it, and it all takes time, and I'm only one person, and in certain cases, like last week, I wasn't even able to get the full video up on YouTube, because there's just not enough hours in a week. However, that all changes if this thing can get a little bigger, and maybe I could have one person help me out, but that can only happen if you guys do me those little favors like I asked you for, if you can share videos on YouTube, and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, just send the link to people, or even when you're just hanging out with friends, just grab one of their phones, be like, you mind my phone's dead, can I text my friend, and then just download it onto their phone and leave a fake review, whatever it may be, to help me out, I would sincerely appreciate it. Yo, what's going on, everyone? How's your week going? How many Bernie Sanders memes have you seen already? 275 like me that was the big meme of the week the memers came oh when you i'm not even gonna get into that anymore it was an interesting weekend it was a big sports weekend at first you had that uh big conor mcgregor ufc fight on saturday night it's kind of tough for me to get into that though i i have this thing where it's just harder for me to watch when two guys have already made it that competitive aspect, the the cutthroat nature of their first fight. Go go watch the press conference from their first fight when they were trying to ascend in the UFC and become champion and every potential loss could mean their cut. And then compare that with this last press conference where they're marketing their proper one and the hot sauce and it's all good you're a pro i'm a pro this is all great and smiles and handshakes i'm sorry but as a consumer it makes it considerably less interesting for me it's like when the yankees would play the red Sox. you want to see the version where pedro's throwing don zimmer onto the floor you don't want to see a guy getting a double, laughing at second base, you know, the shortstop, we're going to go to the Cheesecake Factory after this. No. It makes it less interesting, and that's where I was. Now, as individuals, I'm extremely happy for them. I'm very happy that Conor McGregor has all that money. I'm definitely happy that Dustin Poirier does. They deserve it. I'm just saying as a consumer, you see this in sports when guys sign the big money deals and then they stop caring. The product becomes worse. And to me, just that that cutthroat competitive nature that's inherent with almost every UFC fight just seemed to be lackluster. Like, oh, I lost. Who cares? And shake hands. And and they, they really say, oh, that's unbelievable sportsmanship. No, it's I'm actually good for the rest of my life. So who cares if I lost? You know, you want it to mean something. And then on Sunday... We had the conference championships, which I'm disgusted for Aaron Rodgers, but it is pretty insane what Tom Brady did. And then on the other side, I've never seen a team make going to the Super Bowl just seem like a, it's a nuisance. Like, all right, let's just get to the Super Bowl. And they get there like it's no problem. Some teams, it takes them so, Drew Brees got there once and he was great. 
Mahomes just go. He, he honestly almost went there three times in a row if it wasn't for a lined up in the neutral zone. And it's just happening like it's no problem. It's pretty crazy. It really is. It really is. And unfortunately for the Bills fans, um, didn't quite go their way. But I mean, what a great season. What a great season. My, my friend who's a diehard Bills fan, he he hit me up and he reminded me about the <laughs> the Andy Hedge, which I made famous in 2004. In 2004, when the Yankees were playing the Red Sox and the Yankees lost three in a row. And this is when the Red Sox were still hanging on that 1918 curse. And I was living in Boston. I was petrified that the Yankees were going to blow the series. Now, they ultimately did. But I remember calling my uncle saying like, oh my God, I cannot, I can't deal with this. I cannot deal with this. The Yankees have to win. He goes, you really want the Yankees to win? I said, yes. Well, then take whatever you have and put it on the Red Sox. I was like, well, why the hell would I do that? He said, because that's what you're paying to see the Yankees go through. If they go through, that's how much you paid to get them there. And if they don't go through, at least you have a consolation prize, however much money you put on the Red Sox. And it's funny because in in theory, it sounds great. Like, oh, yeah, of course, it's a win-win. Either my team goes through or I get money. However, when you're actually going through it, to put money against your lifelong favorite team, it makes you it makes you feel sick. It's a lot harder than it sounds. And my friend obviously reached out to me articulating that exact point. He he wanted to do the hedge, but he just couldn't bring himself to bet on the Chiefs. In retrospect, he probably should have. So after the Bills-Chiefs game was over, popped on Netflix, watched the latest season of Cobra Kai. It was pretty good. I enjoyed my dad's work, Mr. Ralph Macchio. And now that it's gotten popular, I mean, you guys know the standard formula nowadays. Everybody enjoys something, and we clearly can't have that, and it must be taken out at the knees or in honor of John Kreese and Cobra Kai, as he would say, the leg must be swept on your enjoyment. You have a problem with that. Yeah, every show that gets exceedingly popular nowadays, there's a contingent of miserable people out there. And I, look, I'm not talking about Andy kind of miserable. The real miserable. My miserable is like making fun of people who believe in horoscopes and who say everything happens for a reason so that they don't have to give you real advice. That's it, It's a lighthearted misery. I'm talking about the actual miserable people. Remember... Remember I talked about that girl who won't let you hook up with her friend because unless she's having a good time, nobody's having a good time. That's the approach of many of these complainers out there. These people, I'm not going to call them what everyone else calls them. I'm simply just going to call them the one-eyed gypsies because then these one-eyed gypsies, they start this online community of other one-eyed gypsies who they deploy that Tyrion Lannister tactic. A very small man can cast a very large shadow. The power resides with whoever casts the biggest shadows. Then these one-eyed gypsies come together and they cast this huge shadow. Like, that's the overwhelming voice. Meanwhile, it's like 15 people. But they actually then get to determine the shows. Speaking of Tyrion Lannister and Game of Thrones, do you remember Game of Thrones? That once unbelievable show? 
that brutally and accurately depicted how cutthroat society can actually be? It was like that. Season one, two, three, four, Red Wedding, Tyrion shooting his father on the toilet bowl. That wasn't until the one-eyed gypsies got a hold of it and forced HBO to say that no characters would ever be raped again because they couldn't handle it happening to Sansa. Unless, of course, you're one of Craster's daughters, just getting raped mercilessly in the background of Craster's Keep, and in that way, oh yeah, rape away! No complaints, just rape away, because we don't know those characters. And then you people wonder why in season eight, it's completely awful and you're disappointed every single week and it's full of fan service and nobody, nobody unexpected dies and everybody completely expected dies. Everyone blames it on D&D in the writing. Yeah, maybe that has to do with it a little bit. But don't think the one-eyed gypsies don't have their part to play. Then, I'd say the next massive show, probably, probably Stranger Things. That was the next big, big hit. Set in the 80s, after so many shows through the years have failed, this show has accurately portrayed that particular decade. That is, until the one-eyed gypsies came out and stated that cigarettes, seeing cigarettes, triggered them. So now, supposedly, it's still set in the 80s, it's depicting the 80s, but characters are not smoking anywhere, but somehow it's depicting the 80s. My mom used to blow cigarette smoke directly in my face, but we're not going to see anything like that because 15 one-eyed gypsies got upset somewhere. So you know how they use that term? Oh, it's whitewashed. That show, it's whitewashed. Well, a show set in the 80s without cigarettes. That's one-eyed gypsy washed, my friend. Gypsy justice. Then that brings us to Cobra Kai. This article by the LA Times, it starts off immediately by conceding. By saying, other than this character who's completely Latino, it starts by saying, I'm not an alcoholic, but, you know, know, I, I drink vodka. But then goes on to say how white the show is. And then it even cites some source Apparently, there's a source out there that breaks down every single show by the lead's ethnicity in percentages. It shows you the percentages. You want to talk about a miserable job? Imagine being on a first date. Hey, what, what do you do? Oh, I, I'm a dental assistant. What do you do? Oh, actually, I, I watch shows and I calculate the white lead percentage. Oh, why the hell do you do that? Well, kind of so we can use it to blackmail any Hollywood executive at a later date. What do you think they do when they have a tough one? Like, what do they do when they get when they get a Turkish guy? Well, or what about that guy from um, Mr. Robot, is it? What do you think, Nancy? He's Turkish. I don't know. Is that European? I don't know. Kind of looks Middle Eastern. Ah, just toss it up as white. Toss it up as white. We're like, come on, we're like the fact-checking company. Nobody's going to check us. Just toss it in as white. They should use my white barometer. I have my own white barometer. It's very simple. If you don't need sunscreen in the Mexican sun, then you ain't white. And I got news for you. Ralph Macchio? He don't need sunscreen in the Mexican sun, and neither do I, for what it's worth. Dance by water the Mexican sky. Well, miss, for the LA Times, in accordance with your article, what do you say, what do you say we do something that's socially acceptable nowadays? 
and allow me to rip on some of these white leads you speak of. Let's take down some white leads. First, I'm going to go with the girl that plays Machio's daughter. That's pretty bad that I've watched three seasons of that show and I don't know what that character's name is. I, I just have to call her Machio's daughter. That's a real bad thing with me. I could, I could remember the most random detail about somebody. I'm talking about something mentioned once in passing. I'll remember it fully. But I won't remember somebody's name, somebody who's told me their name 25 times. I mean, think about that. I've watched every episode. She's in every episode. I got it. I just got it. Sam. <laughs> Not sure she would have been cast in the 80s. To be honest, she kind of came into this season looking like James Harden. In, in a similar vein, it's it's tough for me to suspend my disbelief when I'm supposed to believe that this girl that I'm watching is easily beating up every single person in the show. It even insinuates that that, that uh, she can kind of easily take the kid who won the All-Valley Championship. But when I watch her, she's easily one of the least athletic people I've ever seen in my life. It couldn't be more evident than in that soccer scene where they're trying to, it's kind of a throwback to the uh, scene from the eighties where they were trying to get back at Cobra Kai within the confines of like the soccer rules. They could not string together a four second stretch where she looked remotely athletic enough to pass as a soccer player. And if you can't kick a soccer ball, how am I supposed to believe you can crescent kick a person in the face? And I promise you, this is not some, oh, well, look at this sexist. No, no. The other girl in Cobra Kai is fine, good form, legitimately passes someone that could throw you a beating. And for what it's worth, my ex-girlfriend took karate. She was 5'9". She used these, these tricks on my wrist. Didn't stop me from having her flat on her back, though. Yeah, that's right. Also, by the way, I am happy to see society is cool with girls just being straight up punched in the face if it's under the guise of karate. Like, there were scenes where they bust into a house, uh, an all-out fight breaks out, a guy just walks up to a girl, punches her in the face, and no backlash. I'm talking about a guy walks up to a girl because I guess she's part of the karate dojo, just cracks her right in the face, and it's completely fine. I would have never thought there was a way to get away with that and then they they did they figured out a way two karate dojos means you can go to a high school house party crack a girl right in the face the second white person i'm gonna mention is the kid who plays johnny's son good looking guy but who greenlit that muffin top haircut and i'm talking about the first season who thought that was a good idea that kid in the first season he was stuck in that awkward hair phase where Normally, in real life, you'd bury yourself in hibernation for three months. You go into hibernation with the Bradley Cooper, and then you come out like Jason Momoa. If you're going to do the long hair, that's how you do it. You left this kid in the dreaded, awkward hair phase. And I didn't mention that last week when, when I talked about growing out my hair, but there is an awkward hair phase. There is a dreaded phase in between like the Bradley Cooper from The Hangover and Momoa in, like, Game of Thrones or Aquaman. The only worst entrance into a show was by AJ Styles into the WWE. After waiting 
two full decades to get to the big show. He shows up with that muffin top, not short, not long, in between hair. He didn't time it out right, and neither did the kid from Cobra Kai because, as you noticed, once the show got bigger, season two rolled along, he had that fresh, slick back, short haircut, which kind of sucks, by the way. I mean, he was almost past the awkward long hair phase, and he cut it right before he got there. That's kind of what this podcast and my career is at, that awkward hair phase where 99% of normal people would probably cut it loose. I've been thinking about that more and more recently. While I definitely am hopeful to get more popular, share these videos and stuff. Like, don't think I'm not aware of what happens when you do. There is a huge part of me that's savoring this period where I'm really, I'm just able to let things rip because not a lot of people, I'm not under scrutiny by many. So those of you who are enjoying these videos, like people who really enjoy it, for years now, really, really savor it because who the hell knows what's going to happen if these one-eyed gypsies come for me? I'm actually hoping to stay right under that threshold. There's a, like I said, there's not a lot of these people out there, so things have to get really popular for them to shine the eye of Sauron at you and come after you. But there's that threshold where it's just not worth it. I want to hover right below the one-eyed gypsy threshold where it's just like when they have that theoretical board meeting, they're, ah, it's not worth it, but just leave him over there. He's not doing anything. That's where I kind of want to hover. I am also extremely weary of people telling me that this podcast or any of my old videos that I've made are any good because like I went to the author of that Cobra Kai article. I went to her Twitter page or something. And there were over a dozen people who told her that that hot flaming pile of garbage article was great, which essentially after I saw that it rendered every compliment I've ever received online completely useless. Because if that girl's getting compliments on that flaming trash, then everybody's getting, everyone can find groups of people who are enjoying what they're doing. And now you never really know if it's any good. So all the comments I've ever received, I, I, now I got to take them with like a a grain of salt. You know what term I decided I don't like when people say, oh, I got receipts. I brought receipts. Oh, you actually mean you're just going to be a rat? That's what you mean. You're a rat. I brought receipts. No, I hear I'm a rat. I tell people now with the way things are structured, your whole life, I've said that, I've mentioned this before, your whole life essentially has to be playing prevent screenshot defense or a screenshot prevent defense where everything is a potential argument that's about to be made against you at some point. So even when everything's going great, you're in the flirting stage with the girl. I'm talking about you just met her. You don't even know if you're going to hang out, but let's say you do end up hanging out and this goes down the road. That day five text can be used against you in year nine. So you really got to be careful. You really got to be careful. So the Super Bowl is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. And guess who's going to be in Tampa for the Super Bowl? This guy. Guess who's not going to the Super Bowl? This guy. I mean, I'd like to, but I don't see any way that that's going to happen. Now, I'm not going there for the Super Bowl. I happen to line up that way. I'm actually going down there to see my younger brother. And I'm also going to see my cousin, Chris. Now, I don't know if many of you know this, but my cousin 
He's been in the headlines for the last month or so. He is the first person in the world, I believe, with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. And he's shooting to do it again next year at the Ironman in Hawaii. And I haven't seen him since my brother's wedding, and I, I look forward to it. He's a very, very inspiring person. I, uh, I watched him on Theo Vaughn's podcast earlier this week, and it figures. <laughs> Who's the first one in the family to get on to like, Theo Vaughn's show? Is it the guy pursuing comedy? No, no, not at all. So uh, I hope he makes fun of me over that. I'm actually looking forward to getting down there, spending some time with him, getting out of this cold. It is cold. Like, it's sweat. I'm not a sweater guy. It's sweater cold up here. I'm looking forward to it. But trust me, I'm not going to be that guy uploading screenshots of the temperature. How's how's the 10 degrees treating you? I always hated that. And I will, I will admit, when I moved to California, I was that guy quickly. I got over that phase real quick because I was in shock. You know, I just moved there and... I won't make excuses, but I will not be one of those weather people. I will enjoy the warmer weather. It will be absolutely fantastic. However, there's going to be no gloating. Definitely not. It's super annoying. I hate when other people do that because it's not like, guess where you're coming back in one week? Yes, miserable cold. And knowing the way that snow works, it's waiting for you to get back. I am going to be enjoying that warm temperature, though. There's not a chance in hell I'm visiting Montreal this time of year. But I've been there many times. Not bashing on Montreal. I am a Montreal guy. I remember I remember I used to, when I was 18, 19, 20, it was the best place to go when you were under 21 because not only is uh, 18 the legal drinking age there, but it's also the legal gambling age there. So you go there, you go to the casinos, and then you can go to the nightclubs and drink without having fake IDs. It was fantastic. I think I went there when I was 18, again when I was 20. One place I definitely did not like, though, where the, everyone goes to Montreal, got to go to the strip clubs. The strip. I'm not a strip club guy. I don't care if it's Montreal. I don't care if it's New York, L.A. You, I'm not a strip club guy. It does not do it for me. I do not. It's just the way my mind works. If I know somebody's not into something, I'm, just, I'm way out. I'm way out. I, I always think this if I'm at a strip club. Like, if this girl... If the world just paused and she actually had to fill out a Scantron test of places where she'd rather be, like, you know, A, exactly where you are right now, B, down in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl, C, at your childhood Applebee's by the house you grew up in, I always felt like this strip club would be their last choice on the Scantron test. And if I knew if that's the case, then I'm out. If they don't want to be there, I'm. I need to believe you want to be there, and I just don't. Even if they do, I don't believe they want to be there. So it's just not right for me. And of course, by the way, when I meet my friends in Montreal, what did they do? Oh yeah, we're at Super Six. So I walk my ass in looking for them. And what did they do? They paid to have a private dance waiting for me. So I came in. I was like, Hey, Mike. Hand intercepted, and they pull me to the private room. Now, I, I, there I am just sitting there, completely sober, and this, this this girl's just dancing in front of me in a private room, and I'm just sitting there, completely sober, looking at her. I do remember that, I remember looking to my right, and there was a sign on the wall. You know what this thing said? It had a guy. You know, it, it was like the silhouettes of the bathroom people, no hands or feet, just kind of plain people. It had a guy in a chair, just like I am now, 
with his arm extended out, but you know, there's no hands or anything, just an arm extended out, reaching towards a woman who was leaning forward. Like, and he had his arm out as if it was trying to grab her breast with the big no sign through it. As if it was saying, do not touch that breast. And I remember looking at that sign and looking at the girl. The first thought was not, oh my God, I should not touch this girl. My first thought was, where the hell did they get that sign from? It was the most... Where do you order that sign? Guy in chair reaching out towards boo, big no through it. What do you call it? You, you call signs.com. Hey, yeah, uh, we, uh, we need a new sign over here. What do you need? Pedestrian crossing? No, no, no. We actually need the one with the guy reaching out towards the breast with the big no sign through it. That's what we need. Ah, we're on back order, my friend. Sorry. And then this girl actually, she she does the math and sees me see that and then sees me look at her like, oh, well, I better not do it. And I'll never forget, she leans in and she just goes, it's okay, you can touch him. I don't even want to touch him. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take her advice to me and tell you guys, like that share button, that like button, that send this to a friend button, it's okay. You can touch it. And until then, that's going to be it for me. I'm off to Florida for a little bit. But I'll be back with you guys for next week. Appreciate you being here. And I will talk to you soon.